0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. At the door. Today, of course, we're in part two, and we are looking at text. Uh, text remains the same. Two scriptural openings, two Bible openings, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, and 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17, Genesis 3, 1 to 12. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say, you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden the woman replied it's only the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat God said you must not eat it or even touch it if you do you will die you won't die the serpent replied to the woman God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Then, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the Lord, the man, and his wife. Heard the Lord God walking about the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten? From the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. Then the man replied, Let's read together. It was the woman that and I ate it, and there began the problem of all mankind. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. First John chapter two. Verse 15 and 16 and 17. Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only three things only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride of our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And let's read verse 17 together. One, two, go. And this world is fading away, along with... but will live forever. Praise the name of the Lord. And these three things, these three bundles of, of, of temptations serves as kryptonite to mankind from Genesis up until now. It is a huge weakening and destructive force. Money sex, and power. The craving of the things that we see. What do we use to acquire the things that we see? Money. You see the car, you must buy it. You see the house, you must buy it. You see the bag, you must buy it. And it's the same temptation with Jesus. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it's the same temptation. Satan took Jesus to to a high place and he says, look, at the kingdoms of the world. The lust of the eyes. Bow down. And, and I will give you. The same temptation. The same thing. He is, is said, is said to Jesus. Throw yourself down. From the pinnacle of the temple. Because it is written. He will give his angels charge over you. And you will not. Hurt yourself. In other words, was said to Jesus, jump down and become a local champion. Become famous. And that is pride of life. And Jesus did not take it. Same thing. Craving for physical pleasure. He said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, command these bones to become bread. And Jesus says, sorry, I won't. And it's stated reason why it will not. The point is this. It is the same craving of physical pleasure, sex, that we are looking at today. In the case of Jesus, the enemy tempted him with the craving of physical pleasure, food. And we explained that if you can curb your appetite for food, you can control your whole body. If you can curb your appetite for food, you can curb your appetite for sex. In fact, your appetite for food is, 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 is it's like if you can take a hold of it, you can take a hold of your life. But the enemy will keep pushing us to take the things that God hasn't given us. So, he will say, oh, take the fruit, take and, and have it. But the problem is that when we take the things we are not supposed to take, we become subject to the things that God has put beneath us. When, you, when we stretch for the hands to take the things that we are not supposed to take, then the things that we are supposed to rule over begin to torment us. I mean, how can a Christian, you're saying, oh, Masquerade. Oh, pastor, please pray. Masquerade was chasing me at night and they were flogging me and, and I escaped. How can Masquerade be chasing you? I mean, that that's, is really, something is wrong somewhere. Oh, okay, Pastor, I was sleeping, and they were pressing me now, pressing me now. I just shouted, Jesus. Then I was free. I'm like, okay, thank God for that. Thank God for deliverance. But I'm thinking, how, how can they press you down? How come they didn't catch fire when they came near you? when we reach out and we touch the things that God has put outside of our reach, we become subject to the things that God has put beneath us. And sex and the perversion of sex is one major area. The enemy ensnares people and makes sure that we remain subject to him, and that hold is going to be broken over you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Totally. The world has commonized sex so much. It is so common that lost its meaning. It's everywhere. You are, they're advertising toothpaste, sexual connotation. What are sex got to do with toothpaste? They're advertising a car, half naked woman. They advertise every advert must be sexual. I was speaking to some advertising executive, and he says, and we're having a discussion, I'm like, why do you guys do these things? And he said to me, he said, sex sells. Just mix it up with it, it sells. And, you know, it shows that a whole lot of people, rather than getting disgusted, getting attracted. Captured. Sex and nudity has become so common, thanks to the internet, or no thanks to the internet, <laughs> that Playboy magazine is out of business. You no know Playboy magazine. If you're a millennial, you probably don't know. Playboy magazine is the chief porn. Or, oh, well, New DT Magazine, if you will, for oh, close to over 40 years. From revenue of, of selling over 7 million copies per month today, as at last October, when, when, they, when they, this October, a few, two months ago, their sales had dropped to less than 800,000 copies per month today. And it's still shrinking. In fact, the, the CEO of Playboy, um, um, Scott Flanders, says this. He says, I quote him. He says, you are now one click away from every sex, every sex act imaginable for free. He says, the, 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 the internet is running out of business. Sex is everywhere before. Right now, you need to go and buy your Playboy magazine. But right now, all you need to bring out is your phone. And a lot of people are ensnared, even young ladies, young girls. And one of the things that that traps us, really, is is particularly the ladies, I mean, the guys too, you know, is, is, is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection is one of the number one causes for girls losing their virginity. Why? Because the girl has daddy issues. The father is misbehaving in the house, doesn't embrace the daughter, doesn't love the daughter. The daughter falls into the embrace of a stranger and finds that, tries to fill that gap. And the stranger now wants much more and the girl doesn't want to give the stranger. And the stranger wants to pull away and the girl doesn't want to be rejected. The same story. If you take a poll. of Most people that lose their vision. That's why they lose their vision. Because they love sex. It's just because they don't want to be rejected. It's one of humanity's biggest fear. The fear of rejection. We all want to be loved. We all want to be a- a- accepted. It's an inner craving that God has given us. But the problem is that we are looking in the wrong place for fulfillment. The problem is that we are looking to someone to fill our cup when it is only God that can fill our cup. It's only God that can fill your cup. And that's why a lot of people are confused. A lot of people lack direction. Why? Because if your object of of adoration, your object of affection rejects you, you are confused. So, when, you're, when the object of our affection becomes the source of our rejection, we, we deeply struggle with direction. And that's why people go from one sex partner to another sex partner trying to fill that void. But the void can only be filled by Jesus. Only. And the truth is that our God, this God is God. He's saying to you today that regardless of the number of times you've been rejected, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God is saying, I will never reject you. Hebrews thirteen five. I mean, this scripture, it's totally liberating. He says, don't love money. You can put sex there. You can put power there. Be satisfied with what you have. Why? For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. I don't know what you're facing. What struggles you, you have with rejection. God is saying, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And that is so comforting. So today, as we drill down on this issue of sex, we look at three things about sex and we'll close. The first thing is this. When we deliberate on sex, You have to accept that it is what it is. Sex, it is what it is. It is just what it is. Many times we try to color it. We try to downplay it. We try to minimize it. But it is what it is. Even God doesn't deny it for what it is. Sex can be beautiful. Sex can be very enjoyable. And like any other appetite, like the appetite for food, when met deliciously, sex can be very enjoyable and sweet. It's sweet. It's with multiple ease. Everybody say after me, sex can be sweet. (laughs) Now, I forgot again to mention, this teaching is PG-18, um, so if you are less than 18, uh, we, have a, we have a place for you where you can um, have a lot of fun, so the ushers are going to help us um, get you to that place, and God will bless you in Jesus' name. And that's the truth, it is what it is, it is just what it is. Unlike food, sexual appetite comes later in life and, and goes sooner than life if you live long enough. Food, when you, when you are born, you have the appetite for food immediately. The baby begins to cry. And they try to breastfeed, try to latch on and all that stuff. And when a human being stops eating, dies. The human being dies. When a human being stops eating, dies. But sexual appetite, on the other hand, doesn't come at birth. Except in some strange places. Yeah, because I've had to deal with something like that before. Ah. Anyway, let's go on. And it doesn't last till... Old age, as in old, old age. That's why you will understand when, when Mama Sarah was saying to God that this Baba Abraham, when God says, by this time next year, you will have a child. And Mama Sarah laughed. You know what? Mama Sarah laughed. Mama said, this man is out of action. This thing is, is flat, man. she to read that scripture and think that she doesn't have faith. She, she, it's not that she doesn't have faith. She's saying that, God, can't you see this thing you cannot perform again. This thing that has not performed since when it was young now that it's facing south is it to perform. And she had a good laugh. But the appetite for food is strong, is consistent and stays with you for life if you want to remain alive. So, if you can control your appetite for food, you can control your appetite for sex. If you can fast, you can bring your whole body under control. You can, you'll be able to control your body. Largely. And that's why, in the case of Jesus, they didn't bring fine girls to the wilderness for Jesus. You know, the devil didn't do that. What the devil said was what? If you are the son of God, it tempted him. It is still the same craving for physical pleasure. It turned this stone into bread. In fact, by when you fast, when you are really fasting, you even lose the this, this strength for, for sexual pleasure. You know, I, I remember the story of a, a young guy that when he first gave his life to Jesus. You know, um, he came, he wanted to baptize the Holy Spirit, so we sent, I told him to meet one of the ministers, and Mr. Minister baptized the Holy Spirit to him, was filled with the Holy Spirit, was on fire, he wanted to do everything, you know, you know, so we we had, I think we had a 40-day fast, so it was costing, he didn't, he had never coasted. before, I think after two weeks of coasting, you know, coasting is no food. It came to me, and he was really worried. And I was like, Pastor, there's, there's trouble, there's trouble. He's looking left, he's looking right. Make sure nobody is hearing us, you know. I said, what is it? He said, Pastor, ha, my something is not getting up again. <laughs> he says, I said, I said, What's which kind of fast are you doing? He told me I laughed. I said yeah, it's normal. He says, Eh, it's normal. He says, But, but in the morning, the thing just shake itself. I know I mean, it's there. He says, But now, no action. It's just looking dull. I will try to encourage it, not seen. <laughs> So I told him that when you fast, you are bringing your body under control. I showed him, continue fasting at the end. You'll be fine. So he continued. And at the end, I've forgotten, he came to meet me. He says, Pastor, he's back, he's back, oh, he's back. <laughs> of course. And the point is this we are fasting as a church, for instance. So people, you're you not fasting. Should I ask? You see them? But we are not about to embarrass anybody, it is for your own good. You bring your whole life under control. Under control. If you can control your appetite for food, you can control all other appetites, including sex. It is what it is. Some people like it, some people don't like sex. Some people like it, some people don't. It is what it is. But the people that don't like it, they don't like it for two main reasons. Number one, they don't like it because of their experience. If, if, if you grew up, your mother pounding yam and the yam of your mom, the pounded yam of your mom always has lumps inside. The egusi soup has um, the oil on one side, the water on one side. You know, it's just a mess. You will grow up saying, I don't like pounded yam. But the day you stroll into your friend's house and you eat correct pounded yam, what's going to happen? That, that's it with a lot of people. That's that's number one. Number two, it could just be interest. It could just be pure interest. Some people just have low hormonal, the right hormones that drive these things. Sex can be very sweet. And because sex is very sweet, sex can be addictive. It can be addictive. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And, and the truth is, is when we are facing and having to have this sex talk with our children, we just have to say it as it is. I want to encourage you, don't try and colour it, don't try and minimize sex. One of the greatest mistakes parents make and the church also makes is that we try to minimize sex. It is what it is. It is just what it is. Even God no, doesn't try to minimize sex. God says it as it is. It is what it is. Some people say, oh, they say that children, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's not a big deal. Only for them to discover that it's a big deal. How can you say it's not a big deal? It's such a big deal. It's such a big deal that when the children are aware, it's like, think about yourself when you were a teenager. It's like, not, it's difficult to shake it out of your mind. It's very difficult. Personally, when I was a teenager, it was like, that was everything I was just seeing. Everywhere. So, why would you say it's not a big deal? It is what it is. You need to say it as it is so that you can help them overcome the drive. As a pastor, I mean, um, years ago, there was this pastor's meeting that I was a part of an A lot of pastors were committing adultery and all that stuff. And the pastor teaching us was very concerned and I hope they have stopped. But he was saying to us the implications of, of that and... You know, and I was flowing, and the message was very powerful, you know, until he said something, that I, I was like, oh, no, that's not true. He, says, he, said, he said that he was telling the pastors that they, shouldn't, they, sh- that they should just stay with their wives, that, uh, that we should all just stay with our wives, that, that when he was, before he gave his life to Jesus, he used to be very active on the other side, you know, blah, 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 sexually, you know, but that he wants to assure us that down there, they are all the same. I said, no, sir not all the same i mean why would you say that you are saying that to discourage us from sampling right that is not a reason not to sample even look at men look at men they are tall men they are short men they are thick men they are thin men they are light men they are dark men are they all the same so how can they all be the same i'm coding it now you get it (laughs) In case I was still a 17-year-old. Don't so say it as it is. Say it as, as it is. So, in a bid to discourage illicit sex, we unfortunately make sex look bad. Sex is beautiful if done right. Sex is sweet if done right. Sex is a gift from God. And like every gift from God, including food sex can destroy you if you use it outside of god it can it can so it, it is not it is not bad it is when you in what context are you engaged in it so, we have people that are married. I mean, countless of number of people that we, we, we had to counsel as a, as a church, you know, that, that are married and they are struggling with intimacy. Why? Because they are like, they feel bad. A lady says to, to us, my wife and I, that she just wants to push her husband off her every time they are intimate. Why? Well, because she feels that the guy is making her feel dirty. Where did she get the idea from? Mommy says it was dirty. The pastor says it was dirty. So discussed the school was dirty. She got married, a virgin, and she she couldn't shake off the fact that sex was dirty. It's a big disservice. It is what it is. God says this is how it is. We should not be holier than God. Everybody says sex, it is what it is. Number two. Sex is a gift from God. We've dovetailed into that already. It is a gift from God. And with God, sex is beautiful. With God, sex is good. With God, sex is sweet. What if Adam had slept with Eve, his wife, before eating the fruit? What would have happened? God already told them, be fruitful, get busy, and multiply. It did not obey that instruction. What if Adam had, 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 had like 12 children? Before he ate the fruit, God would have just killed Adam and Eve, and we would be good today. But instead of getting busy, Adam was playing Ludo with Eve under the tree. <laughs> he was playing Ludo. I said to guys, get busy with madame. If you leave your wife to just be roaming, you are leaving room for Satan. People are just looking at me funny now. <laughs> get busy with madame. And, and the point is this. The, the amount of... It's, it's scary because the amount... Before, when my wife and I, when we do marriage counseling and we gather couples together and we take an opinion poll, There, when we talk about people, a couple, and we say that which of you would want more sex or feel sex-starved, it's usually about 70% of the guys that used to say that they want more sex. But in the past three years, four years it is the last time it was 60 percent of the female that said they needed more sex scary i said to the guys what are you doing why are you playing noodle when you should be playing wrestling okay you didn't get that (laughs) god god says be fruitful and God is big on our enjoyment. He's really big. God really wants us to enjoy life. God really. It's amazing when you look at God, how much he really wants us to enjoy life. This life he has given us, God really wants us to enjoy life. If you look at John 10.10, John 10.10, the word of God says, in John 10.10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give them a rich and what? Satisfying life. If you look at the Amplified Version, it says this thief only comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is saying, I came that they may have and enjoy life. And have it, In abundance, to full, to the full, till it overflows, till it pours out. How much does God want you to enjoy life? Kadam, kadam. No. Not little by little. Overflow. I mean, you need to get this. Because many times, we are not just in God's will. God wants us to enjoy this life thoroughly. He's so passionate about us enjoying life. Jesus did not only come so that we'll have eternal life. Thank God for eternal life. Huge. Living forever with God in eternity. Jesus did not come so that we'll have eternal life. Jesus came also so that we can have abundant life. Eternal life has to do with existing forever with God. Abundant life has to do with getting all that God has for you here on earth. People struggle when we say, let us pray that God will bless us. Some people struggle with that prayer. So we say that all oh, the blessings that are left in this year that you will receive. Some people are struggling with that prayer. The reason you are struggling is because you don't understand that God really wants you to be blessed. Really, really, he does. He really wants you to enjoy your life. He really does. He does. So, God didn't have to give us, take Eating, for instance, since we are interwoven interwoven, um, um, food and, and sex and all that, God did not have to give you taste buds. He didn't have to give us taste buds. What's the value of food? The purpose of food is for nourishment. You can be nourished without tasting the food. You can. There are people that have lost their sense of taste and they are still healthy. Why? Because they are eating well, but they are not tasting anything they are eating. But that's, that's that's not the that's not how God made it. God gave us taste buds. You know why He gave us taste buds? So that we can eat this food and not just only eat it, we can enjoy it while we are at it. Did you know that God did not have to give us the gift of sex? He didn't. God could, you say, as oh, so we have children. God could make us asexual. There are organisms and creatures that have asexual reproduction. There are organisms that the female will lay the eggs and the male will just come and fertilize the eggs. Do you know that? Frogs are like that, and, and there are a couple of organisms like that. God could have made us like that. So it means that when you want to have children, your wife will just say, um, um, My dear, The eggs are in the fridge, (laughs) and you just go there and And fertilize the thing. (laughs) I mean, but God didn't do it that way. God makes sure that for us to have, I mean, and it will now be an enjoyable process. Why did God make sex so enjoyable? Why did God give us taste buds? Why did He make sure that our lives can be enjoyable? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. Because he loves me. That's why he made it so enjoyable. I mean, I'm sharing how, (laughs) you know, some people eat food and some people enjoy food. Some people just eat food, but some people enjoy food. I am privileged to work with some people that enjoy food. One of my colleagues, when he's eating, focused on the food. it he does not, I'm telling you, I passed in front of him like this. I came back like this. He didn't even see me. He was relishing the food. He was, like, he was tasting every condiment. I mean, ah. And I called everybody I said, look at this guy. I mean, remember now. We were all there. He didn't see us. But we were tired. We left. <laughs> enjoy the food. And, and honestly, God re- that's how God works. God wants us to enjoy. It's a gift from God. Life is a gift from God. Enjoy it. You have only one life. You see, let me tell you something. I've made up my mind. This one life that I have, I'm going to enjoy it. This one life that I have, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. This one life that I have, I'm not going to waste it. Don't be jealous. Begin to enjoy your own too. Praise the (laughs) Lord. And that's how it goes. But like food... There are foods that you really enjoy but it's actually not good for you. And some can actually kill you. The same with sex. The fact that you enjoy f- f- food doesn't mean it's good for you. Take sugar. I mean, we all know this. Sugar, for instance. The fact that you enjoy sugar, say, oh, I, oh, I'm a sweet tooth. You take a gallon of sugar, And you down it, what's going to happen? So, the fact that it tastes good to you does not mean it is good for you. Same thing with sex. The fact that it tastes good, some people say, oh, but Pastor, why did God make it so good? Why, how come it's so sweet? The fact that it tastes good, the fact that it's so sweet, does not mean it's good for you. Same with food, same with sex. There are boundaries with food. There are boundaries with sex. If you want to be fit, there are certain food you stay away from. There are boundaries. Not that they are just not good for you. If you want to you want to have children, there are certain food you just stay away from. They are just not good for you. If you want to be active, there are certain food you have to stay away from. And there are certain food you just have to to take in. Why? Because those are not good for you. Those are good for you. They are boundaries. So, how it tastes does not determine if it's safe. Same thing with sex. How it tastes does not determine if it's safe. Oh, but pastor, it was so good. Doesn't mean it is safe. Doesn't mean it is safe. I, I like God because God doesn't deny these things. In Proverbs um, twenty seventeen, the Word of God says in Proverbs twenty seventeen, He says, "Stolen bread tastes how sweet, but at the end it turns into what? It turns into gravel in the mouth." God acknowledges the fact that it's sweet. You st- stolen bread is sweet. Sleeping with somebody says his husband, it appears to be sweet, but. Check. Very soon, your mouth will be filled with gravel. Imagine you are eating bread that is so sweet. Imagine how you will be eating the bread. Then the bread turns into gravel. What will happen to the teeth? Gone. Gone. Teeth will crack. So, number one, sex, it is what it is. Number two, sex is It's a gift from God. And number three, sex is not enough. Sex is not enough. As enjoyable as sex can be, and it is, sex cannot give total satisfaction and meaning to life. It can't. It's incapable of doing it. No human being is capable of totally satisfying you. It's not possible. No human being is capable of totally satisfying you. In fact, personally, the times I have been unhappy in my marriage have been times that I've subconsciously expected that I expect my wife to fill my tank. But only God can fill my tank. The times I've been unhappy have been times that I've expected my wife to fill my tank subconsciously, I've shifted from looking to God to fill my tank to looking to my wife to fill my tank, But no human being can. And if you put the weight of your deepest desires on any human being, you are going to crush them. If you put the weight of your deepest desire, I don't don't care how big the biceps of your husband is, if you put the weight of your deepest desire on your husband, you are going to crush him. If you put the weight of your deepest desire on your wife, you are going to crush her. If you put the weight of your deepest desire on any human being, you are going to crush the person because they cannot carry it and you will be left disappointed. The only person that can carry the weight of your deepest desire is Jesus. Really is. It's Jesus. There's a story in Genesis 29 of Jacob. Jacob. I've had people say when I get to heaven that they are going to look for Paul. Some people say they are going to look for David. Some people say they are going to look for Abraham. You know, because they are intrigued. Well, I have a list. And on my list, ranking very high on my list is Jacob. When I get to heaven, I'm going to look for Jacob. I'm going to say, Jacob, I have a question. How did you do it? The Bible says that when Laban gave Jacob his first wife... He slept with her from night till morning, and he didn't know that it was Leah, that he was sleeping. I said, Oga, oh Jacob, how did that happen? <laughs> were you on a substance? I mean, he says, were you, something in charge? What exactly is going on in this place? I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? What is it that they blindfolded you and they put plugs in your ears? What exactly is it? You didn't talk to her at all? <laughs> Ah. By the time we get to verse 25 of Genesis 29, and something interesting happens in verse 29, 25. The Bible says, And it came to pass that in the morning, boom, it was Leah. It was like the curtains were pulled. And it was Leah. But the truth is this. In the morning, it will always be liar. Let me explain. Some of us, we, we've, we've run into a relationship, we've gotten married, or you're you hooked up to somebody. By the time the day breaks, by the time the curtain rolls back, in the morning, it will always be liar. In the morning, you, you will ask yourself, have I, have I married to the right person? Have I made a mistake? And for those that are married, they understand. we understand this very much. Abi? Mm-hmm. We understand it very much. Because at some point, you will check that... Oh, 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 I thought this was Rachel. Why? Because in the morning, it will always be... So, if you jump from one bed to another bed, if you jump from one man to another man if you jump from one woman to another woman in the morning, it will always be it will always be Leah. And that is why second and third marriages fail, the percentage of failure is higher than first marriage. Why? Because when you jump to the second marriage, you think, oh, everything will be perfect. Then you wake up in the morning, it's Leah. You jump to the third marriage, you think everything is perfect, you wake up in the morning, it's Say Leah, you came again. You you found me again, Leah. What am I saying? We teach our people that when they get married, when they open the package, everything you see there is your is your portion. It's your portion. We teach our people acceptance. You accept it. Why? Because in the morning, it will always be Leah. You accept your lot in life. And that's how it is. That's how it is. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're having a mastermind class for married people between, and we. Nine years and below, is it nine or seven years are below now? But we, we said that you must at least have been married for two or three years. Why did we say that? Do we just want to discriminate against newlywed? No. Why? Because newlywed, they don't get it. They've not seen Leah yet. They've not seen Leah yet. When you see Leah, the marriage now has started. (laughs) So, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. The key is this. God gave sex as a reward for the pursuit of a person. But the world has perverted sex and made it the pursuit of a feeling. When you pursue a feeling, you have emptiness over and over again. But when you pursue a person, you have fulfillment over and over again. In the morning, you discover it is Leah. What do you do? You cut Leah. You love Leah. You pamper Leah. You take Leah out. You—that's what you do. So there are people that are married today. Stop pursuing Leah. Stop pursuing their wives. Stop pursuing their husbands. And even though there's sexual intimacy and there's no pursuit, the sexual intimacy is empty, and there's no intimacy. While whereas there is intensity, so you have sexual intensity, but there's no sexual intimacy. Why? Because God gave sex as a reward for the pursuit of a person. Not for the pursuit of a feeling. When you reduce sex to the pursuit of a feeling, oh, I feel like it. A woman said to me, Pastor, I I think the only scripture my husband knows in the Bible is your body is not your own. I feel like it. I want to have sex. It is written. A man has said to me before, the wife was there. The wife says, It is written. I said, Oh God, cool down. <laughs> cool down. She's denying me. She's a, she's a thief. She's a defrauder. She will go to hell. I'm telling you. Why? Because she's defrauding me. Oh God, calm down. <laughs> You know, the sex will be empty because it's just about me and the fulfillment of my feelings. Sex will be fulfilling if it's as a result of a pursuit of a person. I want you to leave this place. If you are married, pursue your wife. Pursue your husband. You see how the equation will change so beautifully. So beautifully. If you're not married, you, 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 the truth is that you, you, you cannot take what is yours. If you do, end up disappointed. So sexual fulfillment comes when it's a reward for the pursuit of a person. A person. The pursuit of a feeling will leave you bewildered and empty. The reward of a pursuit. Of a person. So, who, which person? Your number two. Sexual fulfillment comes when it's a reward for the pursuit of your number two. Your spouse is your number two. Jesus is your number one. You need to settle that forever. If you're married to your spouse, Understand that your spouse is number two. She's not number one. He is not number one. If he or she is sitting beside you, you can whisper into their ears, you are number two. They're not number one. It's so liberating for me to know that I'm my wife's number two and God is our number one. It's so freeing. Why? Because it's only God that can satisfy her fully and totally. I cannot. It's so freeing to to, even for me to know that my wife is my number two and God is my number one. I'm not looking to her to feel what only God can feel in my life. So freeing and so liberating. It takes the weight off of me. Why? Because if you put the weight of your deepest desires on another human being, you're going to crush them. Not only are you going to crush them, you are going to end up being disappointed. If your spouse insists on wearing the number one t-shirt, put number one there. Then under, put number one after God. (laughs) And that's number two. If you can settle this, your life will be beautiful. Why? Because no matter how number two works out for you, whether you are single, whether you are married, you are secure in your number one. No matter how number two works out for you, if you are married, maybe, I mean, it's not going well. No matter how that goes, if you are secure in your number one, you are fine. And your number one will sort out your number two eventually. If you are single, as long as you are securing your number one, your number one will bring your number two. So, no matter how it is, how number two is for you right now, if you can secure number one, you be fine. So stop thinking, am I married to the wrong person? The reason you think you are married to the wrong person is you are making that person number one. The person will consistently be wrong because the person cannot be number one. When you shift and make Christ number one, in reality, and the person number two, you set yourself free. Totally free. And the person... Now begins to become the right person. Because the person is actually designed to be number two. And not number one. Are you afraid of of marrying the wrong person? Pastor, I'm single. I'm afraid of marrying the wrong person. Why? Don't be afraid. Just secure your relationship with number one. And number one will bring number... And number two will be the right person. Hallelujah. Simple, but totally, totally liberating. Totally, totally profound. So sex is sweet, but sex is sacred. Sweet or sacred. It's a fulfillment that comes when it's a reward. When there's a pursuit of a person, rather. As a reward of a pursuit of a person. And if you put the weight of your deepest desire on any human being, you' are going to crush them, you are going to be disillusioned. So make God your number one. Even if your marriage is sweet and perfect, make God your number one. Because if you don't, you will discover very soon that no man or woman can be number one. Let's burn our heart. As we bow our heads. Ramahana fadeli za kosa Milena milele na milele, Amina Ramahana maana fadeli. I want to pray for you if you are here you are saying pastor God is not my number one I have never given my life to Jesus before or he used to be my number one but I've, I've, I've backslidden I've dethroned him it's not number one. But can I come back? Can I make him number one? Yes, you can. Will you pray with me, Pastor? Yes, yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come out? No, you don't have to come out. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you in the comfort of your seats. Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I'll make him number one again. Put up your hand. Now over your head, wherever you are seated, and I'll pray with you. God bless you. If I put up a hand, well, God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you at the back. Keep the hands up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Right at the back. Right at the back. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Keep the hands up. They're going to slip a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put down that hand until you get the. Card, keep the hands up, Jesus. I am surrendering to you today. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you, sir. Right there in the middle. God bless you, sir. That is me. Pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. Now, some of us, the rest of us, you are saved. But like like a car and many instruments, we go out of alignment. You're like, you've gone out of alignment with God. And God has shifted as it were. You have shifted from God being number one. And you have looked to man or to woman to be your number one. And you are saying, Pastor, ah, I get it now. Why don't you talk to God? You don't you raise your hand. Just wherever you are, say to God, God, I realign today. I realign. I realign. You are my number one. You are my number one. I realign, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for everyone that is soaring to you. We ask that you breathe upon them, Lord. Change these lives. Lord, let your name be glorified in these lives. Be their number one in truth. The rest of us, we bring our lives before you, Lord. How we have wandered from you and and gotten out of alignment. We ask today that you realign us. Placing you as number one our spouses as number two. And for those of us that are trusting you for our spouses, for life partner, Lord, we secure you as number one, trusting you to bring out number two. We give you praise and glory, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord.